Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Yes, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome home. Uh, please take note of the rules and regulations that have just been placed in the chat. We'll put them in there a couple of times throughout the show, but welcome back. You know that I give you a moment. If you don't recognize the human that is in the room with me, she is incredible. This is somebody that always delivers great insights for leaders. She specializes in one-on-ones, which is like one of the toughest things for leaders and reps to dial in. How do I make that the best? And that is why she is here today. GB, welcome back to the show, my friend. What's up? Thanks for having me. It is always great to have you in the room. I think our energies complement each other really well, and we have a great talk track for everybody to learn from today. Uh, This is what you are here for. Let's kick things off. Welcome back to the Sell Better Daily Show, where we bring you daily sales advice that helps you sell better. Let us know what your role is. I'm going to go ahead and launch this question here. This is kind of how we tailor the conversation to the folks that are in the room. So if you just take part in that, it'll help us to kind of guide the conversation for the majority of the folks. And don't worry, for those of you that are Uh, underrepresented like the leaders typically are, but I don't think that'll be the case for this one. We will talk to you as well. You will not be ignored through the show. You're going to get GB's playbook for the highest performing sales teams. I am your host, James Say What Sales Buckley, and let us know where you're tuning in from in the chat. Change your chat settings down to everyone and let us know where you're tuning in from. Shout out to Edmonton, Canada. I see you. Austin, Texas, Music City. What's popping? Oh, what's up, Jace? I'm in. I'm in Austin too. Hey, connect with GB if you're out in Austin right now. Denver, Colorado. I see you right now. I love it out there in Denver. SoCal, what's popping? It's early for you. We appreciate your morning time. LA, I like it. LA, you guys represent every day. Grand Rapids, I can't get away from you. You're all over the place. Okay, so this is where we are at. Scan this QR code right here, and it's going to take you to our new website. You will see GB's lovely face on our website, part of the Sell Better family. Shout out to GB. Uh, and check out our YouTube channel. This is where you can get all the latest highlights and stuff from the show, uh, some great takeaways, and we're putting more and more content on there every single day. I have the best fire drop for you guys. I am really excited to announce attention. Go ahead and automate your CRM capture from your calls and let AI write follow-up drafts that you can perfect and craft in real time. This is the assistant that we've all been waiting for. Less generative and more filling the gaps for salespeople so they can spend more time selling. Learn everything you need to know at the link that I'm dropping in the chat right now. That's all it takes. A simple 15-minute walkthrough there will help you guys know everything that you need to know. And this AI assistant is the one we've been waiting for for the frontline reps. Let's go. Check out attention.tech and go ahead and click that link in the, in the, in the chat right now. This is what you're going to get from GB today. Proven methods to motivate your high performers and breakdowns of plans. We're going to talk about how to structure your planning. This is very important for your reps so that they're bought in. We'll talk about buy-in later. Actionable steps, things you can do right away after the show. Let's get into it. GB, you just wrapped a three-part series covering approaches that managers can take to motivate their team. Talk to these managers about assessing motivations for their team. Yes. So, um, also, I want to know who's in the room. Have we? Yeah. Oh, let's check it out. Good call. My bad, y'all. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Damn. Yeah. Look at the leaders. Yes. Okay. Cool. We've got we've got a bunch of people, a nice variety of folks. So, um, when I think about like assessing motivations for reps on my team, I think the first thing that I I, I see happen a lot of the times is folks come in and they when I ask them where are you motivated by, they give me an answer that they think is what I want to hear, right? And they say, all right, I am money motivated. I, that's why I'm in sales. And I go, okay, cool. Give me 
Give me one example of a time where you made a decision or you changed your mind about something or you changed your behaviors for the purpose of making more money. Okay, if you give me one example of that, now I want you to give me a second and a third. And so really when I think about motivation and assessing what that means for the people on my team, I want to see that this is like something that they are characteristically motivated by, not just like a one-off kind of thing. Because once we start to understand, hey, like what drives somebody consistently, that's really where we're going to get to those motivations. So I like to ask that question. And I always want to back that up by asking some follow-up questions such as, give me three examples. If they can't give me the three examples, I might go like, all right, give me a different example of a time where, again, you changed your mind, you made a different decision, and it was, and it gave you something that you weren't quite, maybe you didn't know exactly what it was going to give you, but you did it for some reason. And then we'll workshop together. Like, what do you think was the actual driver behind that? And we'll, we'll work together to drive that like self-awareness of their own motivations. I, I like the self-awareness piece. I think this is something that humans struggle with, no matter your profession, but especially salespeople. We have to be hyper self-aware of what we're good at and what we're not. And leaders have to be aware of those same things about us. Uh, so let's talk about this for a second. You said sometimes leaders will assume that others are motivated by the same things that they are motivated by. And that can sometimes cause some friction between coach and student. Talk to me about some experiences that you've had that have led to this revelation for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to give a heads up. If you hear like a weird whining or barking noise or you see me get up, it's because my dog is very needy and chose this very moment to be like, I'm going to act out. But I think like whether it's assuming, I think the the problem happens when we as a, like, me as a manager or anyone in a management position, when we as a manager assume that the people that are on our team are like us. That in itself is problematic because you're going to misjudge, mischaracterize, like make a bunch of assumptions that aren't actually true because you have this ideal of the person versus accepting who that person actually is. Yep. So if you are like for me, for example, I was like, all right, how I showed up to work when I was a rep, it was I I really wanted to prove something to myself. I was the first one in, kind of like the last one out. I've changed that up a lot. Um, but, you know, and so there were times where I'm like, well, why aren't people like me? You know, like, and I'm getting frustrated at them for just being their own human being. Yeah. When in, and, and then they're frustrated because they're like, oh, wow, you don't understand me. And now we have these weird parent-child problematic, like, like, really, like dynamics uh, that are popping up like over and over again. But instead, like what 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 should be happening and what's much more beneficial is to really think about, OK, like I want to get to know the individual in front of me. You are a I always like to say this to my people, I'm like you are a whole ass person with a whole ass history and a whole ass background before you've ever come to meet like meet me. So I want to know about that. I want to know right. about you. I want to know about the leaders who inspired you, who encouraged you, who motivated you, who had a really positive impact. I want to understand what were the behaviors they demonstrated. And then that way, like what really starts to happen is the rep and I are partnering together on what is a playbook for how we work together best. Yeah. How do how does one complement the other? That's what we should all be working on with these individuals because they are humans that are individuals yeah. that have experiences. And we overlook that as leaders. We only see results, we only see actions, we only see the stuff that we see as important, right? So we've got to get to know those people. Let me ask you this though. How often do these people throw their motivation at you and it's actually not what they're motivated by? I mean, it happens often. And I don't think it's I don't think it's like a, a I don't think it's a flaw by any no. means. Like it's just 
I, I've definitely had that experience of my life. Like, I think there's a lot of things that play out in our family first that can show up later on in our work. So there might have been a time in my life, like, like the first 75% of it where I was like, oh, my family has certain expectations of me. Mm. And so therefore, I like, I don't want to, I don't want to let my family down. And when's it, what it warps into is, I'm now doing these things that I actually don't care about and I'm suffering because of that. Yeah. And that could happen at work too, where people are like, they're so, for whatever reason it is, right? They might come into an environment and they haven't deprogrammed from that thinking of, all right, well, I don't want to disappoint my manager versus it being like, hey, listen, the most important thing, like, let's say if you're one of my reps, the most important thing, James, is that you don't disappoint yourself. So like, let's think about like, what's going to make you proud, what's going to align to your values, what's actually going to inspire you and motivate you. Let's figure out what strengths your strengths are. Because if we do that, like you're going to make yourself proud. And by you making yourself proud, I'm going to be prouder of you. I do it for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I think there's something that you said of like, one compliments the other. And I what I really do believe, it's not about like the manager complimenting the rep. It's much more about the like the manager magnifying the rep strikes, right? Like, hey, you might not be great at everything and you don't have to be. If there are 10 things that you can be really great at and you have two things that you're really great at right now, we're going to lean heavy on that and choose one or two other things that are near really like superpowers and we're going to start to develop those into superpowers but we're not going to worry about the rest of the stuff that's going to take you an arm and a leg to develop we're just going to focus on where are you already a winner and we're going to leverage that i think the focus on where you're already a winner and the things that you can do to add fuel to the fire is opposite of what we typically see we almost always see them start focusing on the things they need to add or improve before they talk about those strengths and one has to complement the other. You talked about money and you talked about family. So I'm going to ask the audience now, what is the motivation for you? And if it's something other than what is recommend, what's here, by all means, tell us what your motivation is in the corner. Maybe you like uh, magic cards. Maybe you're a Yu-Gi-Oh fan. I don't know. What motivates you? Uh, That's the question for you right now. Uh, GB, you gave some stats recently in your newsletter. By the way, if you are not subscribed to GB's newsletter, you need this in your life, especially if you are one of the leaders that are in the room. We're going to drop the link there in the chat for that newsletter right now. Talk to me about these stats. I think these are important stats for leaders to hear and understand why employees feel this way in the modern sales environment. So, okay, so these stats. So employees are 20% more likely to stay with their company if they feel they're progressing their careers. Yeah, 70% of employees would drop their current... Pl- I did I did write that. Um, so I, you know, I, I think like these things to me, like these uh, engagements, like I think like, engagement statistics, like everything feels really obvious to me, right? Like that's the first part, but I just think that there are sometimes some challenges as to what does this actually mean? Like, what does it mean to progress in one's career? And um, and sometimes people will think, okay, well, that means just a promotion. But a manager, like, promotions only happen every once in a while, the majority right. of the time, right? So, like, if someone progressing in their career can mean, all right, I'm developing in my role. I'm getting better at my job. I am starting to move towards mastery of my position. And even like, and for the role that I want to go into next, right, I'm starting to build the skills that will help me have a much easier transition so that I'm more, that I'm better suited to achieve mastery in that role from where I'm at. But also like, I think progressing in your career, especially right now, the conversations I'm having with some of my reps is also talking about, 
hey, like, how do you use this moment that you have in tech sales to actually set you up for a different career trajectory or a side hustle even? So part of this is also thinking about like, what does career actually mean to a person, an individual? And then what can you do as a manager to support them in that? And sometimes what you can do as a manager is like absolutely nothing, but point them in the direction of another resource, such as a coach, for example. So there's also a moment of time where you can say, all right, I, I've done everything that I can do. And actually, I'm, let me introduce you to other people who can support you in that journey. Yeah. And then I think this other, like this other stat that 70% of employees would drop their current employer, like a hot potato. Here's my take. Like for me, I will run Eh, not as much, but I used to be that person who was like, listen, I will run through a wall. Like if you, as long as I have like air cover and I have support and encouragement, like I'm unstoppable. But as soon as, but in order to have that kind of energy, like you need somebody pouring into you. You have like, otherwise you're going to burn out. And so if managers are not taking the time to um, take their people's success personally, it, personally, like tr- really, truly impersonally, not like a, oh, I'm just doing my job. But like, hey, for me, it's really meaningful to see my people get to where they want to go next and to be able to bear witness to that, right? Like that, like, that's what I mean. I, I'm going to do everything in my power to support them in that journey. So like, I know what that, like, for me, I know what it's like to have a manager who does invest in me and what I'm capable of doing. And like, for me, I'm like, I want, I'm so curious about my potential and what I'm a, like, what I'm, what, what's possible for me, and to have people around me who are like, hell yeah, I'm curious about it too, and I'm gonna support you. I'm like, mm, yes. As soon as I have, so, as soon as I have someone who's like, oh no, you can't do more. Oh no, like we don't have that. I'm like, you're not the one, and I'm, and I'm moving because I'm too good for you. So like, I, I think this, like, it's like, it's super important to always remember that you know you can have such an amazing impact on somebody's abilities within the role, their career trajectory, like you can you can play such a pivotal part. And when you don't do that, you're robbing your rep of the opportunity to be greater, but you're robbing yourself from the fulfillment of being a people leader too. Yeah. And that's that's the best leader is the people leader. I've been on both sides of those spectrums where you have someone supporting you and giving you opportunities and showing you a path to winning. And you have other people that are holding you back because of their own fear. And that's something that I've always- Their own insecurity. Their own fear and their own insecurity. Yeah, I'm like, 100%. I think therapy should be, therapy (laughs) and a coach. Like I think every company should make sure that their leaders and their managers have a therapist and a coach. That's what I think. Yep, I'm fortunate because John and Chris and Megan and the rest of the team at Sell Better, they're extremely experimental. They wanna see that potential realized. It looks like most people are working for family, working for recognition, lifestyle and money and something other than those things. Those are the dominance that people are looking at right now. And you know what? All of those are valid. Don't let anybody tell you that whatever's motivating you isn't right. It's all about you as an individual and what motivates you. And your people, your leaders, they have to adhere to that. They have to coach to that. GB is going to talk about that more later. Uh, Every leader probably does need a plan, and we're going to get to that point. Uh, But talk to me about this promotion that you mentioned. Do you talk about this at every meeting, or do you wait and find those right times? No, I, so, um, I feel like, so career conversations, like, I'll, I'll say this, I, I, I'll, I'll put it out there. I believe that in terms of like the, um, the employee and the manager, like who's really responsible for career conversations or making sure that they happen is the employee. Like I can't stress enough 
like ev- like everybody's career is um is is in their control like as soon as you start delegating control of somebody else over your career you're already lost now that being said in terms of the things that managers should be doing in my opinion it should be a conversation like once a quarter to me is like the minimum so as somebody is onboarding it could be like hey like i just want to i just want to take a pulse on where like what's interesting to you or do you have an idea of what you would want to move into next right like do you want to so for sdrs it might be like all right do you want to go towards a leadership path do you want to do an ae path? do you want to do uh um new logo sales do you want to do post sales like what's like do you want to do marketing like what's what's interesting to you and if somebody has a really clear idea of where they want to go it makes things a lot easier but like if somebody's like oh i have no idea and i just want to like figure my stuff out then it's like that's totally fine too over the course of their tenure with me we'll start to like get more clarity on that but um i think the also the most important thing here too is if somebody's hired for a role they need to perform in the role first like we cannot talk about promotion until we are settled and we've got our own house in order. So things that can be really, really helpful, though, in terms of that journey is like it's uh, if someone says, uh, if I go to if I'm going to you, James, I'm like, hey, James, like I really want to move into this position. And in my head, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready yesterday. And yeah. James, you go, no, you're not ready. And you don't tell me anything. I'm like, James, you're an asshole. Right. Like that's like I was like, no, James. James is like, he just doesn't understand me. He's ruining my life, right? Like that's probably what's going to happen. Now, the, this is where the setting clear expectations is incredibly important. It's more like, all right, hey, there might be something that James, like the manager knows. Like, hey, I know that this person has to be like within this role, full development looks like being masterful in these 10 competencies, right? right? And like everyone knows what those expectations are. Like they're getting trained on it. They are getting feedback on it. They're getting coaching sessions on it, right? Until they master it and then they move on to the next thing. And all of this is going to be in support of progressing towards the next position that they're really aiming towards. So like the career conversations, like, hey, how are you doing against these development plans? This to me is like a minimum once a quarter, probably maximum once a month conversation. Yeah. Right. But you have to make sure that you're sharing with folks here's the roadmap to get like essentially like here's the roadmap to get there and then partnering like manager and employee collaborating together to figure out okay like here are the checkpoints here are the milestones what are the things that need to happen in between each one to get you one step closer to there and you only have to get one step closer at a time try not to take those giant leaps you often miss steps that are going to be useful later I hear this all the time from people that end up getting you know what let's do this let's pull the audience here really quick for the in the chat uh, put a one in the chat if this is your first role as a seller. Put a two in the chat if you are working towards your promotion right now. That's what I want to know. Is this your first role and you're kind of like getting used to what you're supposed to be doing? Or is this something you've been doing for a minute and you're working towards that full promotion? Looks like yeah. a good mix already. I see a lot of ones, a lot of twos. Some people, they're like, one. <laughs> well, I got a 99 in there. This guy, Barry, bro, you've been in it for a hot minute. <laughs> uh, okay, so I... I, I Can wanna, I say I, something I, real quick? Yeah, that I would, I so I think so. Jonathan, um, in the chat, he had said like uh, this point of like, hey, so long as that manager is honest and not encouraging work that won't help you just because they don't like confrontation. Something that I, I think I had this in a news in one of my newsletters, but and I, I read it from somewhere. But it's like if you we have to understand what the difference is between a hobby, a burden, and a development. 
So a hobby is James really likes something, right? And he's like, oh, GB, I really, so let's say you're in sales, but you love programming, right? And there's nothing about programming whatsoever that's going to help you in sales. And you're like, I really want to invest more in programming. I'm like, cool. How does this help? Like, how does this align to where you're going? And if it doesn't, I'm like, that seems like more of a hobby, right? It's not a problem. It's just, this is probably not a part of our development plan unless you're going to go into something that requires programming. Now, if I say, hey, James, I think you should develop in, um, uh, let's say, copywriting. And James freaking hates to write and loves cold calls, right? He's like, shit, that feels like a burden. So, right, it's like, all right, this is not really aligned. So we have to make sure that we're finding the nice blend of like, hey, what's going to help? Like, what's something that you are interested in that's going to have a business impact and is also going to progress you moving forward? So I just... I think that's an incredible point that Jonathan had in the chat when we're talking about like development within role and preparation for mobility. That's a good point. I like Jonathan's comment. Hey, good commentary means you're listening. You're taking this in. You are sharing this information. Uh, we had a lot of leaders in the room this time, and I knew that you would draw a decent amount of leaders to this conversation. Um, there's a couple of different plans that these leaders can go with. Talk to me about stack ranking and benchmarking, why they're different, and which one you support over another. I don't like stack ranking. Um, so, okay, so like the the nuance, and maybe I'm splitting hairs, but the nuance to me is stack. Okay, so most of the time when someone says, "Hey, like GB, you need to go and stack rank," right? It's I need to go stack rank my team, and I need to say who I think is my number one rep and who I think is my absolute bottom rep, and this is going to be influenced a little bit by like what's their skill as well as their level of will. Most of the time I see stack rankings happen. I'm not going to say it's 100% of the time, but 100% of the time I've seen stack rankings show up. It's been like two or three times now. It's usually um, followed up by with a layoff. So I, do, I usually what I see stack rankings happen, when I see that happen, it's because like the company, it's like a Jack Welsh, an old school management tactic to exit out your bottom performer right? or... Right. They might even be actually they could actually be performing but they're just at the bottom of the rankings so they're just trying to get rid of the bottom ranking people and i also think that that is absolutely wrought with bias so i don't like stack ranking but benchmarking what it means for me is all right there's a there's like a standard so again i talk about let's say like 10 competencies 10 categories of uh of skills right that someone could become masterful at within the role they're hired into and what i really so I'm going to have some kind of standard that says across these 10 categories, here's what acceptable looks like. And then what's going to happen is I will benchmark my team against that standard of accept of acceptable. Ah. So it's not a matter of like, like James, like if we're both reps, it's not a matter of James versus GB, right? Or Barry versus Peter. And one, like one person has to be at the bottom for another person to be at the top. It's more about we have a standard of what it means to have acceptable performance. And we can start to see how are people performing against that. And then we'll use that information to try and identify, okay, like what is needed in order to get to the, get them to a level of acceptable performance within that category, if that's something that we absolutely have to be good at. Yeah. And Kenneth, she's using categories that are relevant to the existing role that that rep has. So things like time management, things like, uh, you know, blocking off on their calendar, things like, um, good cold call practices, a uh, certain conversion rate from cold call to meeting set. Uh, these are all 
benchmarks that she is putting in place that are relevant to the role that she has. So it's not that she has a set 10, or she might. Uh, oh, I but- do. I do. Okay. Um, okay. Hold on. I'm going to, here, I will give y'all, I'm going to give you go. There you so, go. I'm going to put a link in here and then I will, uh, if I'm allowed to share it. This lady is full of resources, y'all. Go follow her. If you sign up for my <laughs> newsletter, you get all this stuff. How do I make a co- Okay, but it's not letting me make a copy right now. Damn it. Okay. Uh, oh, here we go. So um, I swear a lot. Sorry, mom. So for me, like when I think about, so uh, at the, like this is a coaching and development plan. Like, uh, uh, temp- like I use this for myself with my reps. And so I think about these competencies and like, and it's all going to be informed by like what is needed for the role that I am managing. So for SDR, like for an outbound SDR, like I was like, all right, there's the main categories. It's going to be like, call, so you got the role itself, like calls, copy, prospecting. There is like some softer, quote unquote, softer stuff like time management and mindset and motivation. Um, but I also have some things on here like, Create like creativity is going to be a piece of this, right? Like, all right, r- things are not working very well right now. Like, email reply rates are down. You've done everything that you know how to do. Like, what's something that you're not trying out just yet? But also, like, internal brand and perception. Do people have a positive perception of you? And the reason why I would say this for like for anybody in role is like, especially if you have a team of people who know they're going to be promoted or they're going for merit increases or whatever. I'm like. You have to know that people are judging you on this, whether or not it's on the job description. Right. Because we want like, it perf- like for somebody to get promoted, if it was only about performance alone, we'd have a lot more people getting promoted. True. So like I, I also so this these are the things like this is an example of what I do. And then in the one on ones that I have with folks like we're yeah, we have a benchmark metric. Right. So it's like, hey, what's the one thing that's really getting in the way of your business this week or last week? We look at last week. What was the one like what's one thing that really got in the way of getting better results? And it might just be like, all right, hey, one of the things that's like really clear to me is 94 percent of the time when you have a conversation we're not booking a meeting. Like what's going on here? And this becomes something that we'll go and coach in on for the following weeks. Great stuff right there. I love examples. Our audience loves examples. You have Kenneth's approval. Thank you, Kenneth, for the ask. Uh, I want to move on because we want to talk about earning the buy-in. And this is something that leaders have to do if they want their reps to be successful. You said that not every single rep is going to be bought into the actions that they have to take. And anything that they're not bought into is going to feel like a burden. So you suggest this 85 and 15%. And I just want you to talk about that one for a second, and we'll we'll keep chugging along here. And let me ask you this question while, while GB's talking about this. Do you have a plan in place of your own? That's the question in front of you right now. GB, why 85 and 15? Why is this ideal? You know, sometimes people just tell you things and you just run with it. So I think like, <laughs> or you read something online and then you're like, oh, I read it online, so it must be true. But, you know, I was, um, it was a, a, a work colleague of mine who was pretty cool with and I respected a lot. And he was like, oh, I just got out of this like webinar. I read a book, something like that. And he's like, yeah. he goes, the, um, the ideal way to learn is when you have like where you're where someone's able to win 85% of the time and they're only experiencing a 15% failure rate. So it's just like um, I'm, I have a really weird analogy. Like so I have two uh, mini dachshunds and um, and like I was working with a trainer and my trainer was like, hey, like I always make she always makes her dogs work for their food. 
And I was like, okay, well, how do I do this? And, um, and so she's like, all right, we've got this weird mat and you could hide food all over the place. But she's like, what you want to do is spread the treats out so that like they're able to eat their actual food, enough of it, and then you give them just enough of a treat and they keep on eating their food, looking for the treat. So they have this nice like, oh, I have a win rate, but like I have to go through a little bit of failure to get to my next win. Mm-hmm. So they're still motivated to keep going and keep searching for the other stuff. So like, I think that there's, there's something really important about, all right, you don't want it to be where people are just absolutely getting their teeth knocked in the entire time because that's a drag, right? Mm-hmm. But you want to, for as much as possible, like finding ways for them to experience success, right? Like, and in combination with just a little bit, just a slap, not a full-on teeth knocking out. You're all you're all out here studying human psychology, and here's GB running Pavlov's dog's experiments with her Dotsons <laughs> at home so she can understand seller behavior better. I love this. This is hysterical. Let's look at these results right here. Check it out. Uh, looks like it's an even thing, like kind of like kind of a fuzzy plan in place for a lot of folks. That's the majority of people saying like, oh, it's a plan that I and my manager came up with, or it's kind of a rough plan and we're really not sure how it's going to go, but I'm following it blindly because I think it's going to get me where I need to go. Right. Uh, and I want to point out the fact that the kind of is in the lead because I think those kind of people could probably zero in on core competencies. Uh, I want to pivot to that so that you can talk about how you structure your one-on-ones and you said you do two a week. And I want to talk about structuring those two and what you're focused on because two a week might seem like a lot to some leaders in the room. Let us know in the chat how many one-on-ones a week you're doing with one individual rep. She's doing two a week. So go ahead. Okay. So I learned this one from Kevin Dorsey, um, who my main man, love him. And so I... Uh, he had recommended, he's like, the way that he does things with his reps or like what he has his team of managers do with their reps is two one-on-ones per week. Uh, they're 30 minutes each. And so this is what I do as well. So meeting number one that I do is more about like numbers, forecasting, and then setting goals for the week. Like, so we're really just talking about, like we're taking a kind of qu- like a, a quantified look yeah. at, our, at their business and going, and it's not a lot, it's not a crap ton of of time but in those, so it's like all right hey hey how are you doing what's going on a little like well how was the weekend like any tea time like there, we have that time and it's like right let's get into the actual business where are you for like where are you pacing right now um like what are what are some things that are impacting your pacing is it like an activity thing is it a, a quality conversion thing like what do you think is really going on here all right now based off of that what do you need to accomplish this week to end the week out on a good place and get ahead following next week and then, and how are you going to go about that? Now, and also like, okay, so you need to, like, you need to do X, Y, and Z this week, but uh, uh, your conversion rate at Call to Connect is the one thing that's really been holding you back. Let's focus in on what's going on there in the next one-on-one. Yeah. All right. So like, we, we really, so like the first one-on-one is really about, let's ru- like, let's run through your numbers. Let's talk about your goals for the week, but let's also talk about potential risk too. And I also, I'll, I'll coach a lot of times on like setting a, a strategy for the week too. So if I see something that's, that's off, that's going to bite them in the butt in a couple of weeks, I'm like, let's address that right now. So coaching a lot on strategy in the first one-on-one. And in the second one-on-one, like we have that one thing, like, hey, like what's the one thing and what's our plan for like turning this around? So for one rep on my team, he's like, hey, listen, I know I need to get a lot better at incorporating 
relevance and research into my copy, but I like I'm not a natural writer, but I want to get better at that. Okay, well, tell me, what are you doing today to help yourself get better? He's like, all right, I'm researching different like different frameworks for outbound messaging that are relevance and research based. Yeah, cool. I want you to bring in three examples of that, and I want you to bring in one account, and we're and I want whether you have the emails written or we're starting off with just let's break down why this email works. That's what I want you to bring in for that next one, and we're going to coach on that. Similar for let's take a call. Like, all right, hey, I've got one person on my team. Majority of their calls are dispositioned as no conversation had. Hey, I'm going to go like me. I'm going to go listen to two to three of those calls. Let me know if there's one in particular you want me to listen to. And then we'll spend time reviewing those calls in the next one-on-one and cu- and we'll role play and like some objection handling and or come up with a role play and opener to your call that will hopefully impact things for the better. Yeah. I like the specificity here where in one, you're telling them exactly where they need to focus. And in the other, you're holding them accountable for that activity that they needed to focus on. I think that's a circle that a lot of reps and a lot of managers drop the ball on. I can give you an assignment. But if I don't follow up and make sure that I hold you accountable for accomplishing that goal, who dropped the ball? Was it you for not doing it? Or was it me for not holding you accountable throughout the process? Uh, I want to talk about a story that you told me because this really resonated with me. And I think there's probably a lot of folks in the room that it'll resonate with too. Write the word target in the chat if you've ever had a target on your back as the top performing sales rep and everyone was told that they needed to beat you. That was your job. That was their job. Uh, GB had this experience. And it didn't go exactly according to plan for that leader. And you ended up having to manage upward and tell them that this was a little bit uncomfortable for you. Talk to me about this experience, because I think we've all shared this at one point, if we are a successful sales rep. I I like, I'm, I'm over here just playing jokes right now. Hold on, give me, give me one second. I promise. <laughs> I think it's, it's going to be, it, so yes, I, I have been that rep. I have had the target on my back. Um, so like so uh I ha- so I was I was an SDR, like so when I was an SDR, first time SDR, I I came in and I had this mic. I already knew I was like, all right, I'm gonna be the best by far, like zero doubts. And um in I don't know, that was just like I was just like I, I had to I had to be the absolute best. Like that's where I was going. Um and it wasn't like, oh, I need other people to lose. It was just like, I, I need to prove something to myself big time. Now, what ended up happening is like, I was a rep who was producing at like two, three X, the next top producing rep. And what would end up happening is like, you would see whether it was my boss or like other folks from different teams who'd come into the office and they would see the board and they'd say, all right, like who's, who's catching, who's catching Gabrielle? Like who's going after Gabrielle this week? right and like that was the message it was never like hey great job whatever so like i just started to feel like uh, honestly i kind of felt isolated is the best way to put this it's a little bit like poor poor you you're the top performing rep Wait, right first world champagne problems but for me it was like very like it was kind of discouraging and it felt very isolating so i ended up having a one-on-one with my with my boss and i was just like hey listen i understand what you're doing and trying to motivate the other reps right i get that but also the impact that it's having on me is like I'm just feeling like I'm like um I'm just feeling isolated kind of from the rest of the team and I feel like I have this weird target on my back on my back and honestly the best way to put this is just like I just didn't really feel like 
all right, now I can actually enjoy my work. I just feel like, all right, somebody's just trying to gun for me right now. And that's not what you want to have on the team. Yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting uh, contradiction to what we might feel like this does. Because as leaders, I think we look at this as putting a goal in front of our team. And that goal is consistent with that top performer that we want all our reps to be like. But in the end, what you do is isolate that that ideal rep, that one that you're trying to get everyone up to their level, and then they end up feeling less motivated. So I think that's an important thing for people to take away from this is not to do that because it, it comes across the wrong way to a lot of folks. I have some great questions here. Did you have one more thing you wanted to say before? Yeah, I, I? yeah I was going to say, I, I, actually just, I just don't think that anybody really wins when you're comparing one person to the next, right? Like comparison is the thief of joy. And so like much of the same way it could be isolating for me. Like there could be, if you have somebody who's performing at just like a ridiculous rate, like they are an outlier, right? That can be very demotivating for the people who are expected to perform at that level. And especially if like, like for me, I'm not, I did not have healthy, I did not have a healthy relationship with my work. So like, do you want to now set that as the example for other people to emulate? So I, I think it's, um, I had a VP of sales at that company, though. Like one of the things that he did is he would um, incentivize using personal records. And depending on what your level of performance was, like the greater the incentive was. So like for me, if my personal record at one point in time was like 10 meetings set in a week, he's like, cool, what do you want if you get 14? But for my coworker, Dana, at that time, her PR might have been four meetings in a week. And so he says, well, what do you want when you hit seven? Right. And so that and he would compensate appropriately based off of that performance range so in that situation everybody can win so you yeah. see so like, as much as we possibly can uh try and figure out how can you make it so that everybody has an opportunity at winning i i like this mentality way better than i do the isolation one in 2019 i worked for a company that the top performer would get up and talk about all the wins that they had and show examples of how they won and it was the job of everybody else to take copious notes and be able to use that information later. This way, it enabled the top performer to continue to win. And it also showed people what that top performer was doing. And it felt more like a team atmosphere. Shout out to Ringlead. Uh, I believe they're part of Zoom Info right now. And that is uh, that is an experience that I had that I will never forget. This question comes from Jen for UGB. What's the best practice or tip to give help to your SDR managing their time better and execute daily and still have that quality and quantity and volume that you're looking for? How do you hold them accountable to manage the tasks? Is it best to have consequences in place? Great question from Jen. Um, so I had, a, uh, I'm going to answer like the last question first, and then I'll get to the like actual hows. Um, I had a mentor of mine, a, uh, this guy named John D uh, Gilman, love him. I actually need to text him like, hey, what's up, dude? But um one of the things that he impressed upon me was that like he's like you know some people will try and incentivize people through like using carrots right some people will try and use sticks like i just don't think that using sticks is an effective approach to like actually helping someone yes like make sure that you're doing your best to not incentivize like non-performance right but 
I think going straight into consequence, like people will just, you're, you're just asking for subordinates versus critical thinkers and strategic thinkers. So that, that's my philosophy. Now, in terms of like what I like to do with folks, if we have a development area and let's use like, like the t- like time management organization as the one, okay. what I really want folks to do is to come up with a system that works for them specifically. So like um, what an exercise that I've done with them has been like, let's actually go through the Eisenhower matrix. And like, well, let's do, like, hey, I want you to write down every activity that you can do in a day, right? Like literally everything, everything for your job. But I also want you to put down like, do you go and talk to your coworkers? Are you slacking? Like literally just take a log of what you do throughout the day, everything. And then the next part is like, all right, now that we've actually, now we've taken log of all of our act, uh, activities throughout the day, both like the things that drive performance and the things that are not driving performance, whatever they are, no judgment to it. Well, let's like, let's talk about the Eisenhower matrix. Like, okay, so what's urgent? and important right and then what's not urgent what's not important and let's actually plot like where does everything go now when we think about your actual calendar does your calendar reflect what is actually urgent what's actually important and what's not like so i've had reps on my team where when we were in an office i would see them mosey along in the office talk to everybody everything and they would tell me i don't have time in the day and i'm like well you got time to chit chat all day. I'm not saying that you don't, you shouldn't have social time, but I'm saying social time is important for you. You need to make sure that you have some boundaries on it, right? So go through your call tasks, go through your emails, respond to your MQLs and your follow-ups, and then do 15 minutes of social time. Don't start to allow social time to creep over your entire day though. So it's really about making sure they're really clear as to what is actually happening in their day. Take a log of it, right? Then start to map out what needs to happen in their day. Do the two match? No, let's reorganize. And now let's test it for two to three weeks and see what the results are. You know, test it for long enough is something that I think we should hover over there for just a second. Mm. We can't put something in place for a new rep, change of behavior, see them do it a handful of times and then say it works or it doesn't. They have to do it for long enough so that you can collect enough data to point to whether or not it's going to be successful long-term. I like that you ended that one with that. Um, Yeah. Let's- Let's go to this question from Madison because I love it. How does one push for a management role to their manager when there's only one management role? Also, he could label this, you could label this as the manager's role or the company isn't growing at the pace of your career path, your desired future state. What does he what what does that person do in that moment? Um so okay, I'm just going to here's what I here's what I'm hearing the question is is like, "Hey, how do you push for a manager role when there's no manager role open?" Okay, yeah. Right. Like that's how I'm going to interpret that question. How do I usurp this manager? (laughs) You really don't. I'm going to be very honest with you is like manager positions from what I said, they don't open as often as I see positions. So that being said, um, I think you, everything always depends on your, like you have a timeline, you have a pace. And if a company cannot satisfy that, like you, I think the first thing you want to look at is what can you accomplish at this organization? Like, how can you take advantage of every opportunity that they're going to offer you? So like thinking about, let's say like the, uh, coming up with a development plan for yourself. So if you're like, all right, I'm in an IC position right now. Here's what I'm really good at. Let me start to un- identify, like, what do I need to be really great at to be a manager? And where can I, where can I start to develop in those areas here? 
can I get a mentor at the organization? Will they sponsor me for, let's say, a girls club, for example, or some kind of leadership training? Like, are there like conferences and events that they'll sponsor me to go to? So like, honestly, like, as much as you can take advantage, right, of the companies, whatever they can give to you, I would take advantage of that. And if you're like, all right, I need to go and network with these these kinds of places and um, or network in certain places, like, hey, is there anyone at this company who can make introductions to those places? Right. And so these are the kinds of things that you can that you can build your network, you can build up your skill sets, you can ready yourself. And if the company has a position, like awesome. Right. But if they don't, guess what? You might have networked your ass off so well that someone goes, Hey, I really believe in you and we have a position open. Boom. That is the mic drop moment right there. Uh, I want to thank you guys for coming in, spending your afternoon with us. I'm going to drop GB's LinkedIn inside the chat right now. Go follow her, connect with her, learn from her. You will be a better manager, a better leader for it. Madison, I will tell you that you don't need to have the title of manager to be a great leader. That is what I will always say to people that want promotion. Uh, also, after this show, you're going to get a quick survey. Tell us how we did. Tell us what you want to hear more of. Tell us what you liked. We need your feedback so that we can continue to create this great this great content for people just like you. You're the reason. You're the, you're the purpose of us getting up every single morning. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Connect with us on Instagram and all the other social media channels that you see here on screen. Take a screenshot of that so that you can go and connect with us there. That's where we put out all types of content to help you sell better on a daily basis. And follow me personally at Say What Sales on just about every platform known to man. I'm tough to miss. GB, thank you for sharing your wisdom and we will see you next time, everybody, with a fantastic guest to help you continue to sell better. Thanks, James. Thanks, everybody.